don't know how anyone does this. This must be so nerve-wracking. How do they warm up their fingers? They have a piano backstage. They warm up on it. No, we would have heard it. What do you think? They just crack their knuckles and come out? I told her we'd all go out afterwards, okay? Mm -hmm. Sure. And don't applaud when she stops playing the first time. It's not over yet. Who said that? That's directed at me, isn't it? Well, I don't want to be a secondary character. Hello. Hello. And welcome to this week's episode of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. I am Stephen. I am Ivan. Hello, folks. And we are a Seinfeld podcast where every week we take a random episode of Seinfeld and discuss the secondary characters from it. What are we doing this week? This week, we're actually doing a fan request. Uh, this one is from Parkers. He's one of the co-hosts from the podcast, The Campfire with Parkers and Daly. Uh, he's a huge fan. So uh, thank you, mate. He's suggested The Pez Dispenser, Season 3, Episode 14. Lovely. Really yes. liked uh, watching this episode. It's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah, I know. Same for, same for me. Like, I haven't seen this episode for probably like three years. Yeah, and it was good to come back and, and watch it again. Yeah, a lot of moments that uh, I kind of forgot about. And I didn't realize that the beach, you know, which is like probably top 10 classic Kramer scene or, or storyline was actually in this episode. Yes, it was actually the genesis of the beach. Kramer comes home from the Polar Bear Club and he swims off Coney Island and he gets all dirty and smelly. He smells like dead fish and seaweed like the... Uh, uh, was it the Calvin Klein guy? I didn't think he mentioned which uh, perfume brand he worked for. Steve. Yeah, I I don't know. Jerry mentions that his friend's like a perfume executive, but I don't know if he mentions Calvin Klein or just a perfume company. Well, we find out in the pic that Calvin Klein uh, markets the beach. Yeah. Yeah, and then Jerry's girlfriend becomes the model, so maybe he's Calvin Klein. Maybe. He probably stole the idea. He's hey, like, yeah, actually, actually that no, that's, that, that is what happened. That is what happened, yeah. Yeah. He must... I can't remember the specifics. Anyway, yeah. doesn't really matter. No, We're not doesn't. talking about this week. No, we're not. And if you have any perfume ideas, you can email us, bidwabaskpodcast at gmail.com. You can check out all of our social media details in the show notes. And uh, if you want to support us, you can check out our Patreon. So from a dollar a month, you can support us and get access to all sorts of bonus content. We've just started a new podcast called Curbcast, where every week... Ivan and I will be talking about Curb Your Enthusiasm. About, some, about time, rather, someone did it. Yeah, yeah. so uh, kind of just a, an out-of-the-blue idea, but I'm glad we started it. Yes. And this is my first time seeing Curb Your Enthusiasm, so it's pretty cool for me too. Yeah, so episode one we released to everyone, but uh, from now on, episodes two and onwards are going to be exclusive to Patreon. Yep, so for $2 a month, you can get access to that, as well as all of our normal episodes a week early. And uh, you will also get some bonus content that we do just for Patreon, so sometimes we do movie reviews, lists, also of things and and from late january we will be doing a uh, season 11 of seinfeld so earlier in the year we did season 10 Mm. uh and we are i guess in development stages in development yeah we're still writing early development yeah we're still writing the plots yeah but (laughs) from from january 27 you'll be able to listen to our hypothetical season 11 of the show that's right and just like curbcast uh episode one will be free for everyone but then everyone else will get patreon indeed yes anyway enough plugging of stuff let's talk about some seinfeld isms mate so seinfeld isms is the intersection of reality and Seinfeld. Now, nothing Seinfeld related. Well, actually, I, do, I guess I do have a Seinfeldism of sorts. Okay. Um, but what do you have first? Uh, not not a big one. So I was listening to a podcast through the week. I can't even remember which one. And they just happened to mention Seinfeld. So cool. that's a pretty normal one. Nice. Every few weeks, that sort of thing happens. Nice. What about you? Well, it actually kind of involves you as well. Because okay. I, I got a puppy recently. Uh, his name's Butters. He's a, uh, well, the Americans call them cockapoos. Cocker Spaniel Poodle Cross, mm. um, but he's a, in Australia they call him Spoodles. Um, you actually suggested that I should call him Farfel. I think so. Because <laughs> he's now the podcast mascot. 
So, uh, yeah, you were like, why don't you just call him Farfall? Why not? Yeah. Yeah. So he's the new mascot. I have to put up photos on our socials. Yeah, but you were overridden <laughs> by, you know, a person with common sense not to call him Farfall. Yeah, I know. Which is fair enough. <laughs> and he doesn't bark and he's not annoying like Farfall. Yeah, so I hide it wouldn't some, be appropriate. I hide some guy behind my TV and he just goes, woof, 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 Farfall, no Farfall. Other than being a dog, there's no other commonalities to Farfall at all. No. Nah. Just being a dog. Well, he's a good boy. Yeah, that's true. Butters is a good boy. No, that's what I mean. There's nothing else in common other than the fact that he's a dog. And I'm not a drunk. (laughs) A drunk (laughs) British guy on a plane. (laughs) In reference to the dog. But yeah, that's my, I guess, I was trying to reach for that one. So uh, yeah, that's my Seinfeldism. Yeah, good enough. Better than none. Uh, Okay, Seinfeld news. Yes. Uh, Only a couple of things this week. Uh, Some kind of sad news to start off. So uh, Little Jerry's, which is a well-known diner in Tacoma, which is a really, really nice town in Washington, uh, was vandalized yesterday. Oh, um, no. Yeah. So, uh, in a Facebook post, uh, the diner wrote that someone broke all three of their main front windows um, and the door. Um, they For for Monday, uh, the day that it was vandalized, they were only open uh, on like sort of a small scale doing uh, takeout orders only, but they uh, were back in business today, being Tuesday. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So, uh, not the best thing. Yeah. Um, The community sort of rallied around them, though, and uh, they donated a bunch of money and also sort of spread the word to try and catch the vandal. And police suspect that um, uh, it's a a local man who was caught vandalizing a church by smashing the windows on the same night. Oh, goodness me. So they reckon it's him. They haven't haven't arrested him officially yet, but they're pretty pretty sure it is. I hope their basement cockfighting arena is all right. (laughs) (laughs) In reference to Little Jerry. Yeah. (laughs) I hope hope it's all intact. Yes. So, uh, yeah, a bit of a bummer, but uh, they're already back into it, which is good. Very good. Uh, second bit of news, um, a preview for the next season, season 10 of Cobra Enthusiasm was released through the week. How apt, considering our Cobcast episode, uh, podcast. Yeah. Goodness me. That's right. Um, in it, you can um, watch Larry David waiting for toast to cook or bread to cook to turn into toast. Mm. Um, yeah. And the season does start, I believe, January 2020. There's been no confirmed date. Um, if that date becomes available in the next few weeks or early January, um, I'll, of course, let you know. Um, but at this stage, just keep your eyes out for sometime in January. Yeah, well, we have plenty of time to do uh, Season 10 of Curb. <laughs> We've only done Season 1, two episodes so far. Yeah. <laughs> or three by this by the time this episode comes out. I think there's, yeah. what, like eight or ten episodes per season. So yeah. we could probably bust through, you know, five seasons in a year. So yeah. maybe in two or three years we'll get to Season 10. <laughs> Finally. Yeah. Actually, I think we'll finish Seinfeld before we get to Season 10 of Curb. Yeah, so. I think we'll finish Bibble Bath too, yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Uh, what anyway. a sad day. Ah, it's all right. And we'll still continue on with Curbcast. Yes, You'll that's You'll still true. hear our voices. That's true. Yes. Uh, yeah, and that's all the Seinfeld news for the week. Very good, mate. Let's take one quick break. And uh, when we come back, we have I actually have a few secondary characters to talk about from the Pest Dispenser. I have John Mollica. Uh, I've got Noel, George's girlfriend, the uh, pianist. Uh, Bill Applebaum. Oh, sorry. Rather, he's the actor. He plays uh, Steve DeGiff. Uh, also, the polar bear, the uh, main polar bear guy. And uh, some notes on Richie. Do you have any other characters? No, that's all I've got as well. Beautiful. Beautiful. We're talking about the Pest Dispenser's secondary characters today, and you are listening to But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. We'll be back. Hello, folks. Matt McCoy here, a.k.a. Lloyd Braun from Seinfeld, and I'm telling you right now, I do not want to be a secondary character. Hey, Seinfeld fans. We've got lots of really cool things we're planning for Bidwabask in the future. That's right. We're growing and evolving. And to help us in that process, we're asking you to take literally two minutes to answer a really small survey that we've set up. That's right. If you head to the link that's in our show notes of the podcast, we'd really, really appreciate it. We sure would. And uh, thanks so much for your support. And now on to this week's episode. 
Welcome back. Uh, plot synopsis. Yes, for the Pez Dispenser. That was Season 3, Episode 14. First aired in the US on January 15, 1992. Directed by Tom Sherones, written by Larry David. Uh, George invites Elaine and Jerry to go with him with, to his girlfriend's piano recital. Her name is Noelle. She's played by Elizabeth Moorhead. Uh, in the middle of the performance, uh, Jerry places a Pez Dispenser, a Tweety Bird one, uh, on her lap and she breaks out laughing. Noel doesn't know who laughed uh, and George doesn't tell her, as in Noelle. Uh, he's sure she is now going to break up with him, however, and Kramer advises that he stage a preemptive breakup before she gets the chance. I'm breaking up with you. <laughs> and also, uh, this is the episode where Kramer uh, pitches the beach to one of the uh, fragrance manufacturers, and that doesn't go well. And uh, there's an intervention for one of Jerry's uh, comic friends from LA, Richie. Yeah, so, drug intervention. Drug intervention, yes. Yeah, so a lot happening in the episode. Indeed. Uh, some other secondary characters are Fred Sanders. He plays John Mollica. Uh, Bill Applebaum plays Steve, the fragrance guy. Uh, Steve DeGiff is his full name. Uh, Alan Bloomfield is the polar bear. And Chris Barnes plays Richie. Uh, so some trivia for the episode, Steve. There's actually quite a bit here, but I uh, just picked out some of the best ones. What have you got? Yeah, I've only uh, got maybe four or five uh, from quite an extensive list, as you said. Um, the first one is that Noelle uh, plays Beethoven's pianist Sonata number eight when she's performing live on stage yes that's right yep so i know nothing about classical music or <laughs> beethoven but um it sounded good it's pretty full on yep until yeah. elaine laughed and made a screw up but yeah <laughs> she sounds good. very competent very yes um and the polar bear club of coney island is actually a real thing yeah uh, it was founded by bernard mcfadden all the way in 1903 oh. in the way back yes cool um and marty benson's death so marty benson is that old crooked comic lounge manager, I guess you could say, who all the comics hate. You know, the one who died from pneumonia from the uh, Gatorade, Gatorade shower. Boring, yeah. That was inspired by a real event. Um, it was actually in reference to a the death of Hall of Fame football coach George Allen in 1990. Um, we're not familiar with American football, so our American listeners probably know that story. Um, he died 44 days after being doused by a celebratory Gatorade shower. Yeah, really sad. Yeah, he must have been an old man. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, whoever um, showered him would feel so guilty. Yeah. Especially because it's not, I don't know, like if you're caught up in a celebratory moment, and that's like a pretty common thing in uh, at least American sports, it might be other sports as well, where, you know, champagne is poured on someone or the Gatorade tub or whatever. And it's just like a, a an in-the-moment thing that everyone does. But at least to this guy's death, like that, I don't know, whoever did that would have felt so horrible. Well, he probably ended up becoming a comic, moving to LA and doing drugs. Yeah, true. And his name was Richie. Yeah. And then his, his mate Cosmo made him do it. Yeah. <laughs> his, I can imagine His him, teammate. <laughs> I can imagine him going from, you know, an NFL player to becoming like a really depressed you know, cynical comic. You yeah. know, like how comics in the 90s were like, just like, fuck everything. Bill like, Hicks style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, just totally fuck the not, world, nihilist. Yeah, yeah, yeah Exactly. Yeah. You know, he was like a happy, positive dude and then he accidentally killed this dude and then he just became a empty, <laughs> nihilistic comedy vessel. Well, we could probably hypothesize that about Richie. I yeah. I guess when we talk about him. We'll True, see. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the word Pez, it's actually an abbreviation for the German word for peppermint. Mm. I didn't, didn't get the full name, but uh, yeah, Pez is an abbreviation. Yeah. Well, Pepper is Pfeffer. So oh, okay, yeah. Salt and pepper is also in pfeffer. Uh, mint, ah, oh, geez, I used to know it. It might be zimt. No, that's cinnamon. Oh, like, okay. I can't remember exactly. Huh. Um, so it's like pfeffer something. So Pez isn't like a direct abbreviation, but maybe in German there's like rules where pfeffer or words starting with pf mm -hmm. are abbreviated to pez or something. I'm not too sure. Who knows? But if you're from Germany or you speak German, uh, yeah. let us know. Hmm. We can't bother to Googling it. We have a podcast to record. Yeah, Google Translate. What's that? <laughs> Come on, man. Indeed. Too uh, busy. Yes. Uh, do you have anything else? No, that's really about it. All right. Let's get into it, eh? Uh, who are we talking about first? 
Uh, let's talk about John Mulliger. John Mulliger, played by Fred Sanders. I think he's related to the Colonel, not sure. Uh, known for Sea of Love, Ghost in the Shell 2, and The Shadow. No, he's not related, of course. Just kidding. Um, yeah, John Mulliger, a bit of a dork. Uh, he's got very thin membranes in his nose, always has to... Uh, put tissues up his nose. I do know that feeling. Sometimes when it's like dry weather, I sometimes get nosebleeds. I think I might have the same problem. I might have thin membranes. I'm not sure. But do you have to stuff tissues up your nose when you're working? Sometimes. Really? Yeah, just for a bit, maybe for like half an hour. It does oh, happen often. Okay. Only when it's like dry, yeah. warm weather. Yeah. yeah but yeah. It used in, to happen in the to winter, me a lot. It's fine. Yeah. When I, when I lived in Queensland, which is a lot more humid. Yeah. But uh, yeah, when on really hot days, sometimes I'd get really bad nosebleeds just out of nowhere. Yeah. Did you, you know, wear um, sports jackets or the uh, yeah, the track suits that, uh, <laughs> that John wears? Those no. colourful 90s, 90s era ones? No, I probably just wore white t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> and you uh, got all your blood on the white shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As it always happens. Uh, yeah. No, he is a bit of a dog. When he first runs into Elaine, he seems kind of nice and charming and, you know, pretty friendly. And Elaine's like happy to talk to him and stuff. But uh, at the intervention, at intervention, at yeah, the, intervention, the, the interference, as Graham calls it, interference. <laughs> interference. Is this the interference? Intervention. It's the intervention. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines when Jerry's like, "You know, I'm afraid you'll interfere while we're intervening." Yeah, and then Kramer had that seed planned in him, and yeah. then the next scene is like, "Oh, am I here with the interference?" Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. He he goes from sort of being charming and I wouldn't say smooth, but definitely not a dork, to being just really desperate and mm. kind of sad. You yeah. know, he's really, really, really keen on Elaine. And the more he pushes, the more Elaine's turned off. Yeah. He's like, it's because I'm a bartender, isn't it? Bartender, and she's just yeah. like, mm, you're close. And the bartender or, has nothing to do with it as no, well. No, I mean, no. I yeah. mean, Elaine likes men who work high-income jobs, but she has dated men who don't earn a lot of money or don't work a typically high-paying job. Um, it's just that he's really, really desperate. Yeah, and he that is, just turns yeah. her off. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. So like, um, even even in that scene where Elaine's laughing outside the recital, even John goes up and says, "Oh, I heard, uh, you're with Jerry. I thought you broke up." And as soon as Elaine said, "Oh no, no, we're just hanging out," you know, he's like, "Oh, you look really beautiful." Yeah. He thinks that's just an in for him to try and get in, if you know what I mean. Yeah, he obviously has been keen for a little while, and um, you know, I'm sure when he saw Elaine, you know, from. Uh, from before when he walked up to her, he probably thought, oh, I'm going to charm the pants off her and, you know, make her my girlfriend or whatever. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, at first, like I said, she doesn't seem repulsed or she doesn't seem turned off. She's just like, oh, yeah, you know, this is a nice conversation. But then, uh, yeah, it turns real desperate and real sad and she can smell that shit a mile away. Oh, yeah, she's smart. She's yeah. a smart cookie. Yeah, I don't think you need to be smart to sense his desperation, though. <laughs> he um obviously does care for Richie, um, his friend. Yeah. Like, he even brings it up to, you know, and he says that Richie respects Jerry, you know, a lot. And I guess when we talk about Richie, we can go into detail. But, you know, he really cares for his friend, obviously, yeah. for, for the welfare of his best mate. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, they were really close before he went to L.A., um, and I could imagine a situation where Richie, you know, really confided in John and they became really close. And because he's in LA and, you know, in the pre sort of internet era or any time before the internet, it was harder to communicate with someone. You know, I'm sure they talked to each other on the phone every so often and he had like a general idea of how he was doing in LA. But it's not like, you know, if you're on the other side of the country or in another country, it's easier to stay in touch with people. You can talk to them on the phone or messenger or whatever. So... I think, um, yeah, like he, he felt sort of almost helpless maybe for Richie while he was in LA and mm. while his life was spiraling out of control, being addicted to drugs. So when he came back to New York, I think he thought, you know, now's my chance to really try and help. Like I felt helpless because he was out of reach for a couple of years. Now I've really got to be, uh, you know, take the opportunity to help him out so that he doesn't get worse. Because um, I'm sure he probably thought as well that, you know, if he comes back to New York, the place where um, he accidentally killed uh what's his name the marty benson marty benson yeah 
um, you know, it might sort of trigger some bad memories for him. So maybe he decided to try and um, not just intervene because of his drug use, but sort of, you know, be like a cushion, if you like, to to soften his landing back into the place that drove him away initially. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think he's a really good friend. Yeah, he's, he's a good friend. You know, he's, yeah. he's caring and he's loyal. He's not a bad dude. I just think he's a bit uh, bit of a desperado when desperate. it comes to a line. Yeah, definitely. A line. A line. A line. That's the way we say it. It's like noise. A line. Yeah, noise. Noise. John Mulligan. John Mulligan. He's from Ballarat, mate. Oh, <laughs> the yeah. rat. The uh, rat. Do you have anything else about him? Uh, no, I just think he's a really like good person as a friend, um, but obviously not the smoothest uh, smoothest thing in the shed no, um, when he tries to court women. Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> not the up. smoothest thing in the shed. <laughs> the he shed. just made it up. He's like, <laughs> it's not the softest mattress in the furniture warehouse. He's <laughs> not the smoothest coin in the first yeah i'm just looking at things around me there's a mattress i'm like he's not the sturdiest ironing board in the utility cupboard he's not the smoothest ride symbol on the drum kit <laughs> i'm just looking at my kit <laughs> yeah um he's not the highest resolution monitor at the electronics store actually this isn't this is this is 1080p it's this, is the john, <laughs> this is the john this is the john of monitors yeah and it bleeds too <laughs> it bleeds pixels <laughs> It bleeds the gel. It bleeds the gel. Yeah, it bleeds the pixelated gel. Um, yeah, uh, no, with John, uh, yeah, no, that, I, I guess that's all we can say. I mean, yeah, yeah there's Matt, not really a lot to work with. And yeah, I like I like how um, the tracksuit added to his dorkiness as yeah. well. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, a bit of a dag, bit of a dork. Yeah. I think um, he must be at least a, an okay comedian because Jerry, you know, seems to at least have some sort of respect for him. Yeah. Because, um, you know, yeah, he, he doesn't, he doesn't him, belittle he, him or he yeah. doesn't. He's like, oh, yeah, John, how's he doing? Because like when Elaine mentions his name, he's like, oh, John, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah like. Yeah. You know, maybe he's only dorky and desperate when it comes to women. I'm sure, you know, when he's just talking to friends or whatever, he just comes across as nice and and sort of sane. Mm. Um, Because I think if he was desperate or, you know, I mean, look how he treats Banya. And Banya is very desperate for Jerry's approval. If John was like that, he wouldn't have even asked how he was doing sort of thing. So I think he's liked amongst, uh, you know, his peers for just being a good dude and a nice dude. Mm. Um, And, you know, probably being a Good comedian as well. So, yeah. Oh no, actually, sorry, he was a bartender at the comedy club. Oh, the bartender club, not, at the comedy club. Comedian. No, not yeah, the yeah. comedian. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's all right. Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. 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 Um. So yeah, I I, I kind of like him. No, Even he's though he's right. a bit of dork. He's he's a likable dude. He's not bad. Yeah. Um. Noelle, she was played by Elizabeth Moorhead. She's appeared in the film Terminator Three: Rise of the Machines uh, and the TV shows Flipper and One World in the nineties. Uh she is, I believe, a very well trained classical pianist. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Probably prodig- Probably not. Oh, maybe prodigy. Uh. But she's probably been playing since she was young. Maybe you know. Four or five, maybe she learned. Uh, I think she's yeah, she's almost like a prodigy, um, or p- getting close to it, I should say. And uh, well, she's playing at some other like I think she played at a school, right? I don't think it was like a big hall or centre, was it? Oh, I can't remember the the venue. I thought it was a school. Okay, said, yeah. but the fact that there was you know probably what two three hundred people there to see mm. it means that she obviously has some sort of rep. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, like you said, she's not a a prodigy or a superstar. Mm. Um, but you know, it's it's hard for I'm guessing any pianist to pull any crowd. I mean, like you think of I think of live music in Melbourne, right? Most of the music that's heavily attended here is like pop music or certain subgenres of metal or punk or whatever. Yeah. I don't think many people would go and see a random pianist unless they have a reputation, you know what yeah, I mean? So, and true. there's probably tons of gifted pianists or violinists or whatever everywhere, but none of them can pull any crowd to a live gig. So yeah. she does have a bit of a following, a bit yeah, of a reputation. Does. And yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think that's due to her skill. And this is the pre-social media age too. Yeah, so, exactly. You know, so, imagine there was social media around. That's She'd right. she viral. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she would. Um, she seems to be quite... Um, I think a lot of her... Obviously, you know, piano is her passion in life. But I think a lot of her, 
emotional and psychological stability is based on I think she puts too many eggs in the piano basket, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> too many keys in the piano. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Um, and I mean, I understand why she'd be really upset over being uh, disturbed by Elaine's laugh, but she seems very, very, very wound up by it. She is. Yeah. yeah. And, and any, any distraction sets her off. Yeah. Yeah. She goes really nuts. Yeah. And I think, mm. I think this would have been a good learning opportunity for her or maybe, you know, given her an opportunity to maybe thicken her skin a bit in terms of... Not that you should expect hecklers, but, you know, any professional performing in front of any crowd, whatever they do, there's always a chance of someone intentionally or unintentionally heckling you. So maybe this was like her first time being disturbed on stage. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so maybe that was a new experience for her mm. and she didn't really know how to handle it. Yeah. Um, or again, not that she should have to put up with that. She has a right to be upset. But again, if you're playing on stage, there's always a chance of you getting heckled or disturbed or whatever. Yeah. So maybe this, you know, turned out to be a good thing for her in terms of, you know, assuming that she got bigger and bigger and better and better and the chances of her being heckled or disturbed on stage increased. This kind of was a blessing in disguise in a way yeah. that it happened earlier in her career because she was able to put up with it in a lot. You know, it didn't, it did, it just sort of rolled off her back. Yeah. Um, you know, for future concerts. So, but the really odd thing is, even though Elaine laughed at the dumbest thing, who laughs at a piano recital? Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> that's, that's you, the odd thing. Isn't but have it? you been in a situation where you've broken out into laughter in a really inappropriate situation? Like, it doesn't matter what the situation is; it's what's made you laugh, and you, it's involuntary. You can't control it. No, 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 I haven't. You okay? Uh, I've yeah, I've thought I've thought funny thoughts at you know somber situations, right? But I haven't broken out into uncontrollable laughter. I've been able to keep it under wraps. Actually, I was at a funeral a few years ago. It was like a distant relative. And I'm pretty sure that like when they did the eulogy, they said a joke about them or something or something okay. funny and then everyone laughed. But it wasn't laughing at them. It was kind of no, laughing but that's like, different. oh, it's a that's, joke. Yeah, it's a joke. If yeah. someone laughed at something serious, that's yeah. that's totally inappropriate. Oh, no, no. But I'm saying my point is, is that those situations can occur to anyone where you don't mean to laugh, but something happens. Yeah. And you just, you know, laughing sometimes can be very... Uh, you know, out of your control, right? Yeah. Um, but I think Elaine did the right thing by by getting out of there as soon as possible, and she did try and contain it. Yeah. Um, and it worked for the for the second last scene. Yeah. It worked at the intervention because Elaine starts laughing when the polar bear says the kangaroo. Joke, yeah. And then Noel's like, "What the hell? I've yeah. had this laugh. I'll yeah. never forget it. <laughs> <laughs> I am breaking up with you. With you. But I, I have hand. You're gonna need it. You're gonna need it. I love yeah. that line. Uh, oh, you don't so, like it much? <laughs> well, just just the idea Crack of up. like. It's Cracker. like it was. It was a good comeback. Yeah, it is. But it's such a stereotypical thing to say if someone refers to their hand. Yeah, you know, it's just like yeah, you're gonna you're gonna need that later, aren't you, buddy? Like <sighs> it's just such a a common oh. uh, joke. I thought the timing of the line was was good. Yeah, yeah no, that's the, true. The way Elizabeth delivered it was good. yeah. No, it was a good it was a good send out line for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you? I mean, it's not about Noel specifically, but do you think that Jerry, even though he put the Pez dispenser uh, on Elaine's lap, causing her to laugh? Do you think he should be held fully accountable for the situation? Like, he didn't know that she would laugh so hard that she would have to leave the theatre and upset Noel playing. Well, I think he should be held accountable somewhat because yeah. at the piano recital, why would you do that to someone? Yeah. <laughs> now, why would you get the Pez and put it on Elaine's lap while someone's performing? I mean, Jerry clearly wasn't considering anyone else, wasn't considering Noel or the audience or George mm. or nothing. So. He should be, yeah, he should have some accountability. At least some. At least some. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it should be shared between Elaine and Jerry. Yeah. You know, Elaine could have maybe done a bit more to contain her laughter. Mm. I'm not sure. 
But anyway, uh, I kind of like Noelle. Um, I'm surprised she responds so um, almost like is under George's control as soon as he flips the script. Because he has hand. Yeah. And like I understand the reverse psychology of that situation. And it is real. It's a real tactic in like negotiating if you sort of just completely topsy-turvy the situation. Yeah. And it works. It's effective. It's a good power move. But the fact that she's she, – because she's quite assertive and she's very, very good at expressing herself like when they're backstage and George is like, oh, maybe we'll go get dinner. And she's like, I'm not hungry. Mm. And George is almost like fearful of her. Yeah. And – you know, so and like George says, she has all the hand as well. So the fact that she completely and utterly does a one eighty just from George breaking up, with threatening her. to break up with her, yeah, was kind of surprising because she shows this really strong constitution, mm. and then she just completely crumbles yeah. and is utterly under George's thumb. And then as soon as she hears Elaine's laugh, she goes back to being the one in control and breaks up with him. So it's a, it's almost like a jarring shift. Mm. And I know that's the joke, yeah, but in and of it, like outside of it being a joke, just as like a human relationship or a human dynamic, it's it's quite like it works, but it's kind of strange. I don't think that would happen in real life where mm. someone would be really strong and then lose everything and then go back, you know, within a day. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, who knows? But it worked and it was good. Like I liked how, like you were saying that Elaine should have held in her laughter. Well, she did hold in her laughter well. I don't think, I think it probably would have changed the whole storyline if Elaine laughed and then Noel looked at the crowd and saw Elaine. Yeah. You know, maybe Noel was so blinded by rage or, you know, being upset that she didn't even look in the crowd. Because Elaine, they, they were all pretty close. They were like, what, first, second row yeah. on the stage? Two or three rows back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm surprised she didn't turn and go, hmm, where's that noise coming from? Well, I think she was just trying really hard to focus on continuing to play. Yeah. That if she looked up and saw who it was and sort of, you know, interact with her in any way, it would have completely derailed the performance. I think the laughing was enough for her to be upset and she's like I've just got to put this out of mind and just get on with playing and then I'll deal with it so I understand why she didn't look up or try and sort of uh, exacerbate the situation in terms of being distracted or disrupted yeah um, but yeah no, I kind of like Noelle she's okay. cool yeah, yeah yeah she's not bad yeah not bad anyway we're talking about another Steve or Steven now uh, his name's Steve Steve DeGiff he's the uh, fragrance executive I guess yeah uh, played by Bill Applebaum uh, he's appeared in the films Pretty Woman and Overboard uh, Steve, he's really cutthroat with any fragrance pictures. I think he doesn't fuck around. He's just like, what, you want mustard flavor, seaweed flavor? Fuck that. Who's going to spend 80 bucks on that shit? You know, he's pretty tough. And uh, I think you really, to have a, a really interesting, unique fragrance, you really have to have something. Yeah, I actually think that he was genuinely impressed by, I think he, he seems like the sort of executive who had to really, really grind to get to where he is. Yeah. And he really, really resents people who come in. And he gets really jealous maybe of people who come in. Maybe he had to really, really prove himself and come up with a lot of bad ideas until he came up with a bunch of good... You know, he had to, like, fuck up a lot or get knocked back a lot before... His success was hard fought for. Whereas Kramer comes in and is just like, hey, I've got this great idea. How about we do the beach? And I think he realized that it is actually a good idea. And he he dismisses it because he feels jealous or threatened. Okay. He yeah. seems quite surprised because Kramer says, oh, someone else is going to take the beach. Yeah. And then he eventually falls through. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, he's really like, I, so you, you don't think he was really surprised. He thought, oh shit, I knew someone was going to take it. It was a good idea. Um, I didn't think about that. Oh, okay. Um, I think. Because he looked genuinely shocked. He's like, someone would take that? I think, I, I don't think he's surprised at someone else being keen on the idea because I think he was but I think he was surprised that Kramer persisted with pitching the idea to other 
companies. You know, I think he thought that if I just shut Kramer down, he'll be so demoralized and so unmotivated that he won't pitch it to anyone else, maybe. You oh, know? okay. You know, he'll, well, just, he'll, he'll shit on Kramer enough so that he just doesn't try any, you know, so he's not a threat. But we know Kramer's the tenacious type. Oh, yeah. When trying, he's got an idea, so, yeah. he just, you know, Rolls every every no is, a, you know, just one step closer to a yes. Yeah. And uh, he's actually a friend of Richie's as well. So yeah. he's part of that circle. So Jerry knows him as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, bit of a bit of a prick. Yeah. I mean, he's pretty mean to, to Kramer. All he, he has to say is, oh, yeah, maybe. But, you know. Do a soft no, but an it's obnoxious, just, obscene smell. Yeah, it's an offensive, <laughs> offensive odor, or whatever he says. Uh, offensive, obscene odor. Or yeah. Something. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's he's pretty cruel, but um, yeah, like like I said, you know, to get to the position of being a uh, an executive with a lot of a lot of say and a lot of power, <laughs> he has to be pretty cutthroat. He has to be. Yeah. Prick. Uh, do you have anything else about him? No. Uh, okay. Let's talk about the polar bear. Yeah. Um, played by Alan Bloomfield. He's known for Crank, ER, and Cold Dog Soup. Uh, he passed away in 2018, but I couldn't find his age. I oh. don't know how old he was. Didn't okay. have his date of birth or anything. He looks about, what, 70 in this episode? Yeah. So I'm going to say, you know, mid-80s. Yeah. Like mid, mid, mid to maybe, late 80s, maybe. maybe. Yeah, maybe even 90s. Um, yeah, because I Googled Alan Bloomfield, and Alan Bloomfield is a former VFL player or Australian, uh-huh. AFL player, Australian Rules Football in Australia. And he was a businessman in the U.S., oh, Alan okay. B. Bloomfield or something. So oh. there was a few Alan Bloomfields that came up. So okay, De- probably not him, obviously. But no. uh, yes. Um, so yeah, the polar bear. Uh, yeah, they love swimming in the winter, uh, in the freezing cold at Coney Island. And the, like we mentioned earlier, polar bear club off Coney Island is a real thing. Hmm. It was founded in 1903, so it wasn't fictional. Wow. Um, yeah. So uh, I guess. It's probably invigorating to swim in the cold. I mean, he's an old person and, you know, he wants to feel reinvigorated at his age. So he thinks, I'm just going to go swimming. Yeah. I'll get up at five in the morning, go swim in the river or the the beach. And, uh, yeah, he loves it. Yeah. I imagine it's just a total adrenaline rush. Yeah. You know. Try and keep him young. Yeah. So to speak. For sure. Yeah. Um, He reminded me just the way he speaks a lot of Mel Brooks. He's oh, like, yeah. You know, there's a kangaroo with a pouch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mel Brooks speaks a lot like that. Well, do you think he has a Jewish background? Yeah, maybe. Jewish, That's what I was yeah. thinking. Yeah. Um, yeah, he just seems like a funny sort of charismatic weirdo, but like just, you know, just like one of those quirky weirdos that you just love. Yeah, we've done interventions. We know about those. Yeah. We, sometimes we go to the polar bear's house if he hasn't gone there. What? He goes, what? You don't want to be a polar bear You don't want to be a polar bear anymore. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a good sense of humor, too. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. And the patch. He probably gives Jerry a good run for his money. Yeah. That sounds like a Jerry kind of joke, the kangaroos. Like, yeah, why, it why does, the, Why don't the female kangaroos have pouches? Yeah, that's true. The male kangaroos like, I don't even have a pocket. Yeah. You know, that sounds At like least a, give me a pocket. Give me a pocket. That's like a Jerry joke. <laughs> yeah, that's true, yeah, actually. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, yeah, like definitely. A, sort of a nothing observational joke. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, no, I really like him. I, I think it'd be a cool, like, granddad to have or, you know, yeah. just like a weird uncle or something like that. Just yeah. just a total fruit loop. But he's, someone yeah. who's charming and funny. He's my favorite secondary in the episode. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I liked him. I really yeah. like him. He, he doesn't great. appear in any other episodes, too, does he? <laughs> I think that's it. Okay. I think there is a mention of Kramer swimming... Kramer does swim in the river. Oh, no, that's another episode. Yeah. I think there might be another mention of Kramer being in the Polar Bear Club. But... Okay. I don't know if he was in it or not. Hmm. I think I think he was only in this episode, though. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It was really top-heavy with the secondary characters. Yeah, it was definitely yeah. uh, loaded up. Much like the parking space. That's another season three episode we did recently. And yeah. How many secondaries were there? Oh, there was like, like what, six or seven? Six, seven, yeah. Yeah, and oh. they all had like a decent amount of screen time. They did, yeah, much like this one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, final secondary I have notes on yeah, is me too. Uh, Richie Apple. Yep. Appel? Richie Apple. Appel, yeah. Apple. Or Richie, Richie Apple. Apple. Yes. Richie Apple. <laughs> Tim Apple. 
<laughs> from Apple Incorporated. Um, played by Chris Barnes. He's appeared in the TV shows 30 Rock and Life with Bonnie. Um, he's all, uh, I thought you'd like this one. He's appeared in an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Lovely. Didn't get which one, but uh, yeah, he has been on the show. Huh. So I'm sure go. we'll eventually find out. Eventually. Yeah, uh, Richie, um, yeah, clearly traumatized by what he did to Marty. He was the one that poured the Gatorade on that poor bugger who developed pneumonia and died. Fled to LA, felt bad, took advice from Kramer and uh, was really bad advice. I think Richie just had good intentions. Um, he has that childhood trauma as well as uh, of uh, Pez because uh, Jerry recounts the story that he said because the intervention's done off screen. Um, Jerry mentions that when he when uh, Richie was a kid, his dad drove into a high school cafeteria and <laughs> smashed the Pez dispenser and Pez flew everywhere and the dispenser machine was destroyed. So, like how... Like how um, Jerry uh, George is like, those things are hard to load. And Jerry's like, tell me about tell it. Tell me about it. So <laughs> Richie clearly has an addictive personality. You know, he goes off the drugs after he his intervention, but he goes back onto, I guess, a legal drug of sorts. So sure. Yeah. 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 Mm. Um, do you think he was he had substance problems before Marty Benson dying? He probably dabbled, okay. maybe. But I think the fact that... You mentioned before that the Gatorade shower is just meant to be in good fun. I yeah. mean, it's not meant to kill people. No. But the fact it killed you, I'm guessing Marty Benson was probably like an old man because uh, he did say six, actually, they did say 67, he was. Um, yeah, I, I think Mar- Richie, you know, Richie was goaded by Kramer and Richie probably thought, oh, awesome, we won the game, you know, I'm going to, you know, have a good time and I'm going to really, you know, make Marty feel good. And then, uh, you know, when you do something, like, not that we've ever done it, but if you do something good for someone and then it turns out to, like, kill them, you know, you you think differently about the world wouldn't you oh yeah you'd be like my goodness man like i can't even do anything right if i do something right then someone dies yeah and that would really fuck you mentally and physically and i can see why he fled yeah i can yeah. see why he went to literally the opposite end and the opposite corner mm. of the country yeah Probably, you know the furthest away you could be yeah um on the pacific ocean there <laughs> yeah um but uh yeah i mean i if he did dabble in drugs I don't think it was sort of self-destructive. He probably was just around it being a New York comedy. Yeah. You know, there's always been the, I guess, the cliche of comedy and drugs being pretty, well, entertainment and showbiz and drugs, really. Yeah, he does did the old line of coke. Yeah, you know, but it was always blunt, recreational you know? yeah, or, or yeah. social. But this tipped him over the edge. Yeah, for yeah. sure. You know, the, the amount of guilt and shame and just that he despair carries. that you would feel. Oh, yeah, and he still carries it. Yeah, yeah for sure. Definitely. Um. Uh, yeah, and he, I, th- I think he, even though he only's, he's only got one line in the episode, he sort of turns up and he's like, so uh, what's going on? Mm. He portrays that sort of existential guilt and yeah. sadness that he has. Yeah, it, I find um, it really incredible. Well. I find it incredible how he's got such a rich backstory. Yeah. Like through other people talking about him. Mm. And then, yeah, like you said, you only see him in that one scene, one line, he walks in and then it cuts to the next day. Yeah. But you know so much. It's like he's been in half the episode. Yeah. You know so much about him. Well, I, yeah, I think- I've never seen that much depth with a character who only makes one appearance. No. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, even if you didn't know much about his backstory and you just- or if all you knew that about him was that he was having an intervention, but you didn't know the reason why he got into drugs or why he felt so guilty, him, him just, and I think it's a testament to the actor, if he just turned up and delivered that one line that he does, just from that you would figure that, oh, shit, something bad really happened. Because you can tell he's just really depressed. Yeah. And he just feels really bad about life. Mm. Um, uh, yeah. But apparently he... I can understand as well when Jerry says, you know, he got pretty hostile at the intervention. Yeah. Started back talking and he just wasn't receptive to the to the idea. I've actually got a friend who uh, went through an intervention um, 
it was completely uncalled for and unnecessary. So um, was it his fault? Oh, you mean yeah. the intervention wasn't called for, or his actions leading to the intervention? Oh, it was. It was for? completely inappropriate and over the top. So oh, okay. He basically smoked a whole lot of weed, um, you know, which can be uh, damaging to someone's state of existence, I guess. But it's not like he was, you know, shooting heroin into his face and robbing old ladies to pay for the drugs. He was just a teenage stoner. And this shitty now ex-friend of his thought that he would take it upon himself and be the moral judge of who this guy was. Oh, no. And actually roped his parents into it and overstated his drug use. <laughs> and he came home from, He came home one day from, you know, work or whatever. Mm, yeah. Like the classic intervention you see in like a TV or, or, yep. or film or whatever. Yeah. They're all sitting around and he was really confused. And this guy led this intervention and basically said- I think you, you know, have a problem. And my mate just went, basically, fuck all you guys. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I'm not addicted to hard drugs going out there committing crimes. Like, I probably smoke too much weed, but I don't need an intervention. Up yours and just walked out of there. Did he flee to the other side of Australia? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> to, to Perth? <laughs> to Perth. <laughs> yeah. The furthest west you can yeah. go in Australia. No, 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 no. Not that <laughs> no, far. But, no, um, okay. yeah, like, I can understand you know, I, I wasn't there, but from what he told me and from other accounts of that, that situation, it was a long time ago, but I can understand how uh, defensive you would be of because it's the intention is good, but I think it can be quite confronting and quite uh, jarring for the person that the intervention is for. So, I yeah. can understand why um, why Richie was so defensive and became a bit aggressive. Yeah. Um, you know, and the fact that he's probably got a lot of rage and anger and resentment towards the world which is you know heavily related to the guilt he feels. So I don't again even though the attention was good I don't think it was the best idea to try and intervene in someone's life no. who is not only addicted to drugs which is really hard but is also very emotionally fragile. Well, we have to consider as well, Elaine came up with the idea of the intervention. Yeah. It wouldn't have even crossed John's mind. No. What they should have done is just got John and Jerry together yeah. and then talk to Richie on their own. Yeah, I, I think, think that would have worked. I think like more like a low-key chat, like let's go out and have a coffee. Yeah, because even, just just even John says, yeah, just a casual thing, because, oh, sorry to interrupt, but, no, right. but but even John says like he respects Jerry and yep. we, we have to do it with Jerry. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I think bringing it up, I think intervening per se, in terms of, like, we need to try and do something is, is good. That's just being a good friend. Yeah. But an intervention as an approach, nah. It's, mm. uh, it's some, maybe it works sometimes, but I don't think in this case it was the best idea. Nah, no. And, I mean, the fact that it was so sort of flippant, you've got, like, random polar bear club guys and <laughs> yeah. Kramer. Like, it wasn't a very – they didn't treat it very seriously. Everyone's storylines combined. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, if, if I was running an intervention, just say for you, right, and I thought, okay <laughs> – you know, we need to try and make this effect as effective as possible. I wouldn't just be like, yeah, 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 everyone can come on over. Like, you treat it – it's not just a, a house party where you're like, yeah, 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 come on over. Like, yeah, just, of course. You know, you've got to treat it very seriously and, and think about it very, very carefully. Ivan, you've been editing too many podcasts. Yeah, you yeah, do yeah, too yeah. much in your life, acting, podcasting, all that stuff. you got to <laughs> tone it down. Oh, man, I love it all. What are Is you? that a bit of self-aggrandizement there? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, i got a few things to promote at the end of the podcast. Fair so. enough. <laughs> yeah. It's just a teaser. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, so I can understand why Richie was a bit taken aback and why he got a bit aggressive and, you know, probably didn't do him any good. Mm. Uh, and it just got him addicted to another substance, which well, is probably better. Legal, yeah. yeah, I'd rather be addicted to Pez than heroin. He probably ended up getting diabetes, though. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he was so depressed he went back to heroin. <laughs> it's like, it. oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. He just has an addictive personality. Like yeah. Some people just... 
they hang on to a vice, and then when they lose that addiction, they'll be addicted to something else yeah. in this place. Just some people just have that constant cycle of addiction. Yeah, no, no I've been what. there. I've been there in my life. I've been addicted to a few things. Nothing major, but um, it's not a nice feeling. Yeah, about maybe ten years ago, I was addicted to sleeping pills. Okay. just over the counter. I can't remember which ones. Rest of it, I think they're called. Oh wow. Um, I don't know if that's their clinical name or just the brand name, but for about six months, I used to take nearly a packet a day just Goodness to get to sleep. Whole part of my life that I don't really want to talk about. No, but of course not. No. I brought that up not to sort of take the podcast to a dark place, but just to say that, you know, it's it's not a fun place. It's not a pretty place. And you do need outside intervention, not in the form of a quote-unquote intervention, mm. but you do need people to say, hey, you've got a bit of an issue. Maybe yeah. we need to, you know, do something about that. So for you, it would it'd work. Yeah. Well, yeah. well I, you know, no one specifically brought it up. It was just, you know, a few people sort of just casual, like slowly made me realize that, hey, this is not good. Yeah. You need to do something about it. And I did. And, you know, being an over-the-counter sleeping medication, it's not a hard drug to to sort of wean your way off. Of. Mm. It doesn't have like a, you know, it's not like Coke or, or heroin, which is extremely difficult. There was oh. no withdrawal symptoms. Yeah. It was pretty easy. But still, like, I empathize with the 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 shitty trapped feeling of being addicted to something. So, yeah, yeah it sucks. Anyway. Uh, anyway, that- now you've gone on to better things. Yes, yes, I have. Now I'm addicted to, to Seinfeld. Yes, and Seinfeld and Curb. <laughs> yes. Uh, anything else about any of the secondaries? No, that is all. Let's take one more break, mate, and uh, we will come back and rank the Pez dispenser, uh, find out if any of the secondaries make our top 20 Seinfeld characters of all time, and uh, we'll wrap up the episode. Are you looking for a brand new conversation podcast with some interesting guests? Well, you found it. My name is Ivan Pigioni, and I'm one of the voices from acclaimed Seinfeld podcast, but I don't want to be a secondary character. I'm back for season three of In Melbourne Last Week, a podcast where I speak to everyday people who do extraordinary things from Melbourne and everywhere else. This season's themes include adversity and survival, as well as some more lighthearted topics to break it up. You can listen to In Melbourne Last Week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, do any of the secondary characters appear in your top 10? Oh, 10 or 20? No, but uh, honorable mentions to the polar bear. Okay. I really liked him. Yeah, no, he's yeah, cool. He's cool. Probably my favorite secondary from this episode. Yeah. Did you, sorry, you say he didn't make your 20? No, no, no. no. Okay. I did like him. If he was grumpy rather than funny, old man, he'd be in there. Oh, sure. yeah, come on. He was actually, he was yeah. actually, he was actually like a, a fun sort of upbeat old man. So. Someone who you wish was your grandfather. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah it. for sure. Out of 110 episodes of Seinfeld that we have reviewed so far, Stephen, where do you rank the Pez dispenser? Number 22. 22, pretty high. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, I really yeah. like the episode. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't call it a classic, mm, but yeah. definitely a strong, really, really strong episode. It is very strong. Yeah. It's one of the gems of season three, isn't it? For sure. Yeah. Um, I really like the fact that even though nothing really happens and it's not the crux of the story, but I like the fact that there is some humanity in Jerry and Elaine in terms of being concerned for their friend. Mm -hmm. You know, the fact that they didn't, I feel like if it was any other episode or if it was a typical episode, they would somehow find uh, a reason to dismiss his problems and not try and help him out. But the fact that Jerry's like, oh, my friend's in trouble. I'll do what I can to to intervene, even though it goes horribly wrong and he doesn't treat it very seriously. The fact that he shows some humanity was actually quite. It was 
it wasn't so much that it turns me off and you know which is the reason i watch seinfeld but it was just enough to make it charming and endearing and just something slightly different yep. that I liked about the episode. It was quite and refreshing. It, yeah, and it was just really fun. Yeah. Fun episode. Yeah, for me, it was really fun as well. Uh, number 54. Okay. So, you know, solid episode. Yeah. Um, about in the middle. Um, Yeah, I, I like you said, an episode I haven't seen for many years, and I'm glad I revisited it. I'm glad Parker's from the Campfire podcast uh, requested it through yeah, Instagram. Yeah, thank you for that. So, thanks, out. mate. Appreciate that. Um, Yeah, no, I, it was it was enjoyable. Yeah, I liked, yeah, you're right. It did show that kind of humanity uh, from but Jerry. But not too much. Not too much, just not, enough. Yeah, I mean, there's not no too learning. Much to, yeah, not too much to dismiss the philosophy of the show. That's right. And then in the next episode, you know, who's Richie? Yeah. Like, who the fuck's Richie? Exactly. John? Like, yeah. who cares? Who cares? Um, yeah, no, it was an enjoyable episode, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah and I wanted to get a Tweety Bird Pez dispenser. <laughs> I can try and find them on eBay. I wonder if there are Seinfeld Pez dispensers. Are they at the flea market? That's where they have fleas, right? <laughs> <laughs> you think they have fleas there, don't you? I actually used to think when I was young, like, when I was a kid, they were, had fleas. I thought yeah. they were, like, fleas in, like, cages mm. when I was a kid. You know, flea market fleas. You know, he's yep. buy fleas. I don't know how. They, I don't know how you can fit them. They're so tiny. What cage would you need? <laughs> Jesus, it is a, a couple is of a millimeters strange, thick. It is, Jesus. A, it is a strange name for a for a you know a market of people selling secondhand stuff. Uh, do, because didn't flea markets used to be like dirty, like in the old Maybe. days when they came out? Maybe because there were fleas and they used to sell like used to be like yeah. dirty stuff, and then now I'm, it's all upmarket. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure there is some you know etymological origin to um, the the name, but. I, I don't know what it is. Isn't it funny how in this episode, George doesn't know what a flea market is, but in the parking space, one of the later season three episodes, he goes to the flea market to buy his hat. Yeah. So he kind of like that seed, once again, with the continuity of Seinfeld, that seed was planted in his head, and then he finally decided to go to a flea market. I, I reckon. Like that. I reckon, uh, you know, off screen in that episode, he was really, really apprehensive. But as soon as he got to the flea market, he's like, oh my God, there's so many bargains. Mm, yes. You know, there's so many. $10 for this hat. Exactly. Yeah. That is it for another week of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you again for uh, giving us this recommendation, Parker. Yes. Thank much, you. Much appreciated. If you want to give us a recommendation, bidwabaskpodcast at gmail.com is our email address. And you can find us on social media at B I D W B A S C. You can listen to this podcast on any podcast service that is available your favorite one and uh steve we're back next week for our last regular episode of the year yeah we are so we'll be taking a few weeks off christmas but we've got a couple of uh, neat things lined up to tide you over that's right yes uh including an interview with a uh, seinfeld themed band yes but, uh, yeah check out our feed in a couple of weeks to find out uh, what that's all about. Indeed. So next week's or next week's episode will be The Red Dot, another oh, season nice. three episode. And uh, because it is a Christmas or an episode set around Christmas, and it's going to be our second Festivus special. Last year we did the strike for Festivus, so uh, this will be our second annual one. Nice. So, yeah. Are there any other Christmas episodes or just those two? I think, well, there's about five or six set around Christmas. Okay, so, cool. So, yeah. I cool. guess So we've got one for next year as one well. One for next year, and that'll oh. probably be our last year. Oh, I no. think it will be, yeah. Last or maybe second last year. Who maybe. knows? Who knows? Yeah. Anyway, yes, we'll keep going. But yeah, we'll, we will have Festivus episodes until we end. Indeed. And yes. finally, if you want to check out uh, a Patreon, you can sign up for a couple of bucks per month and uh, you get access to all sorts of bonus content, including our brand new second podcast called Curbcast. We released the first episode last week on our normal feed, so check it out. Uh, any future episodes will be available only to Patreon subscribers. So if you want more episodes of that, make sure you uh, head over to the page and uh, chuck us a couple of bucks. 
bucks a month. Yes. Chuck us a couple of bucks a month. That was really <laughs> difficult to say. That's fine. And uh, check out the rest of the episodes. And if you want to support us, support us as a once-off, why can't I talk? Uh, <laughs> just head to our PayPal. Again, all the details are in the show notes. Yes. And until next week, I am Stephen. And I'm Ivan. And before we go, you can find me on my other podcast in Melbourne last week, a conversation podcast. Uh, I am into well into season three by now. So uh, all those links to that podcast are in the show notes as well if you want to hear it. Indeed. And uh, I guess my final plug, I've got a Seinfeld uh, Facebook group called Seinfeldisms. Uh, it's sort of the, I guess, sort of the adopted unofficial community of, but I don't want to be a secondary character. Ivan and I are on there a lot, posting stuff and interacting. And if you want to jump in on the fun, just type in Seinfeldisms on Facebook and uh, join up. Yes. Anyway, we will see you next week for our final regular episode of 2019, The Red Dot. You take care. Catch you then. Catch you then.